Hello, welcome to this edition of your favorite football podcast. I'm James, and alongside me is Pat. Um, Raceland was slate, uh, slated to join us here today, um, but he had something unexpected come up, so he will not be with us today. But um, we're still going to do our the episode we had in plan, uh, on our minds, and that's the um, top ten of our favorite players we watched. Now, one thing to keep in mind is this is favorite players of we watching, not the top ten of all time. So I know a lot of people could get confused with that, and when when you know we might have a name that's like, well, why do they think it's the top ten player? It's not that we necessarily think they're the top ten of all time, but it's just top ten we've got more enjoyment of watching than some that you might even have. Or quite frankly, Pat, we might have been too young to remember some of the guys like Barry Sanders. We wouldn't have grown up watching Barry Sanders or Walter Payton who are obviously on the top 10 of all time list. Um, but let's just take a, let's just go right into it here, Pat. And, uh, but let's, who, who are some guys that when you were thinking about this list, um, and also another thing to keep in mind, I'm sorry, I'm sidetracking, but, um, I don't think we necessarily have an order. Like we are down to 10. Um, but it's not like one through 10 in order. It's just kind of 10 people in general. Now going forward, we'll have a one through 10, but, um, it's kind of hard to put one through ten in this aspect um, when it comes to enjoyment. But is there anyone that you you were kind of you left off the list, but you want to give an honorable honorable mention to? Yeah, actually, there is um, Tory Holt. He was a uh, receiver for the Rams back when they were in St. Louis, and uh, the numbers that he put up from 2000 to 2007 were just I mean, you can't say enough good things about it. I mean, he had multiple thousand plus yard seasons on 2007. Yeah, I left them off just because the other guys on this list are, I feel, a little bit more fun to watch and a little bit better. So, but he does make my honorable mention for sure. Yeah, and quite frankly, when Torrey Holt was in his prime of his career, um, which would have been on the uh, greatest show on turf, we, we were a little too young. I mean, we were only, what, three or four years old when that season occurred. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, even when we got older, you know, the seven to eight years old, when we actually could remember watching games, or even five or six, I guess, I suppose, um, he still was still producing at a high level and was still making some great plays. Um, I think he gets overlooked at times, too, because if you look on the teams that he was on, you, Kurt Warner gets brought to mind. Uh, Marshall Falk get brought brought to mind. Um, even yeah. Isaac Bruce. Um, yeah, I love Torrey Holt. In fact, you're forgetting something. He played for Jacksonville for one year. Um, he did. He did. I got a jersey of his. Um, I was going to wear a draft night, but um, instead I chose my Trevor Lawrence Hope shirt um, all weekend long. So, um, but he did. he did play at Jacksonville. Um, so outside of Tory Holt, is there another name really fast that you had to leave off? Uh, yeah, I mean, if I had to put another one on there that I had to leave off and it, it hurts me that I had to leave it off. It's uh, Troy Polamalu. Uh, mm-hmm. He won two Super Bowls with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was very fun to watch at USC. Very fun to watch with the Steelers. I hate Pittsburgh. But I love Polamalu. He's very fun to watch. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to leave him off because he was that dynamic player. Um, but I'm I'm like you, I hate Pittsburgh, um, and it's just. But you know, you have to respect some guys that dressed up in a Pittsburgh uniform that necessarily won't make this list or even the top ten of all time list. I mean, you got Troy Palomalu, you got Jerome Bettis, you got Heinz Ward, you got. James Harrison, you got Ryan Shazier even. I mean, it's just you have so many guys that were in the black and gold, um, and you have to respect them. I mean, even to a point, Ben Roethlisberger, what he's been able to do there, um, you know, kind of go uh, flash in the past. But um, um, Willie Parker, I mean, he was so fun to watch. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean – it's just he's just I mean I'm not a Pittsburgh fan. It's kind of surprising how much I know about the Steelers. I'm a little bit of the older players like Tommy Maddox or Cordell Stewart. Um, but you know my my goddad was a he was a huge Pittsburgh fan. Um, he was. He, he was, was and you know he didn't drink beer much, but it was an 8:30 kickoff. He was drinking beer and trying to stay awake. Um, but yeah, so. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I love those two there that you have there, Pat, that were honorable mentions. Yeah, that's the only two that I have that are honorable mentions. Uh, the rest of them absolutely deserve to be on the top ten. What about you? So I guess the couple that I had was um, Marvin Harrison was on an honorable mention. Um, again, mm-hmm. I was a little too young for his prime, but I I was able to watch him in person a few times when Indiana because. When I was younger, I was, you know, as you know, I was a, me and my dad went to a lot of the Jaguar games. Um, and I'd just been to a lot of Jaguar games in general and I was able to see him in person. And, um, and yeah, I mean, he was a fun player to watch. Again, kind of gets overlooked in some ways because a lot of his career, he had Reggie Wayne on the other side. He had Peyton Manning. He had Joseph Adai, Edron James, Dallas Clark, um, Right. When you have all those names, it's hard to put yourself at the top like that. Yeah, so I think Marvin Harrison was one. Um, And I'm trying to think. I had another one, but I'm kind of blanking on it. Um, Another Colt, actually, and that's Dwight Freeney. I love Dwight Freeney. Um, Yeah. You know, and he was just – when he was with the Colts, I mean, he was the premier edge rusher, and, and you could argue that he was the best edge rusher in the NFL at the time. Um, oh, absolutely. And it's kind of crazy, you know, that, that was almost, man, that seems like a long time ago, but it's really not. Um, but it was just, his swim, not his swim move, he had a decent swim move, but his spin move, man, was just, just the best spin, the spin move in the game, and quite frankly, I think oh, yeah. he, if he would have been, imagine if he was in the league today, um, just and on the Colts, no less. I mean, Red, you have um, uh, Dwight Freeney with uh, Darius Leonard with DeForest Buckner with, I mean, good gracious, dude, that would be insane. Um, but yeah, those, that, but those that defense would be, oh, it'd be stacked. But you know. Just, you know, on the surface level, those are the two guys that jumped in my head. But the other ten I have on the list, um, um, especially seven of them. The seven of them was no doubt. Um, but, yeah, so I'm excited to get in this list. But, Pat, um, I know we said there's no specific order, so, um, but just for people listening at home, um, we're just going to go 
I'm going to go 1 to 10. I mean, just so it's easier to keep track for the people listening and, and quite frankly, for us recording um, as well. So who is the first player that, when you were making this list, that you had to put on there? Oh, Ladarian Tomlinson. Yeah. The Chargers. That's an easy one. All day, every day, it's LT. Watching him was just so damn fun. I can't really put into words how excited I was for a Chargers game, even though I knew we weren't going to win. Just to watch him play and run the ball, it uh, it brought a smile to my face. But um, yeah, there was no other number one that I was ever going to pick over LT. Yeah, Ladainian Thomason was just so good, and he was so elusive. He was one of the original, you know, guys dual threat running backs, but he was able to run it run it on the ground and get, you know, a thousand yards almost consistently. But then he was also one of the guys that can go out of the backfield and catch it. I mean, he really started that trend. It seemed like, um, maybe I'm wrong, but at least, you know, when we were growing up, he is the guy that started that trend. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So who's your number one? So my number one is I'm biased, right? So obviously my number one is going to be a Jaguar. Um, but Maurice Jones-Drew is definitely my favorite. Um, you know, he obviously I was in Jacksonville when he was a rookie. We drafted him in 06. Um, and when he was in Jacksonville his rookie year, I really became a fan because not only was he that – he was a complimentary running back to Fred Taylor, but he was also a really, really good special teams guy. So they would put him to, re- to re- return the kickoffs. Um and just the way he was able to do both so well, um, I mean, the game that comes in my mind every time I think about him is the uh, the 06, um, I want to say it was in November, um, but it, it might have been early December, but it was in 06 against the Colts at home. And Jacksonville just ran all over him. The final score was 45-17, um, but just he had a huge part in that. I mean, they he was already him and Fred Taylor were both over 100 yards in the first quarter. I mean, Fred Taylor had 91 yards on the first rushing attempt. Um, but Maurice Jones drew right at the halftime, returned a kickoff for a touchdown. The ball bounced about three to four to five yards, and he picked it up and ran right down the the right down the field. And I that I was hooked. I loved the way he played football. He was. I mean, he, everyone thought he was undersized. He was only 5'7", but his legs were the size of tree trunks. Um, and just, and even today, you still see Maurice Jones drew jerseys at every Jaguar game. So it would be kind of hard. Like, I know everyone out listening is like, oh, he's biased. Well, I mean, that's the point of this list. Um, but, I mean, but, but for me, I mean, when I played when I played football, the jersey number I wore was 32, and the reason it was that it was because of Maurice Jones Drew. Um, Can you confirm? Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely my number one. Yeah, I kind of figured that's where you were going with your number one. I knew he'd be on the list, but I was kind of debating whether or not it'd be one or two. Yeah, he. Um, my second guy's a toss up, but, um, yeah, he was definitely number one. I mean, I got a fat head of his under my bed. I mean, that's <laughs> true. 
and I got to meet him. Um, I got to meet him, so that was cool too. Um, got his autograph. Yeah. That was nice. That's awesome. So number two, I'm gonna go number two for me. Uh, love him or hate him, uh, Tom Brady. Uh, you could say whatever you want about his playing ethic and uh, whether or not he cheated. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. He's still, in my opinion, the best quarterback to ever play the game. Uh, many records. He came out of Michigan as a nobody. Uh, people thought that you know he was going to be the next Ryan Leaf. He wasn't going to do it. Uh, he proved them wrong. Won seven Super Bowls. Won a Super Bowl in his first year with Tampa Bay. Um, nothing more needs to be said about Tom Brady. I mean, he, he's an obvious number one pick. I mean, if if it was doing a different list, he'd be number one for sure. But for right now, he's number two. Yeah, you know, and the thing with Tom Brady is obviously the spy gate and the deflate gate. Um, is going to haunt him forever. But at least in my opinion, I don't know how you feel about this. And I felt the same way. I always thought, you know, those two rings were kind of tainted um, because whenever you hear about those two Super Bowls, it goes back to um, – and I only think he won the Spygate one. I think that was the year that the Giants beat him. Um, so when you think about those two games and, you know, the two opportunities he had to win a ring there, it's tainted. But, you know – when he what he did this year, we're going to Tampa Bay his first year with the COVID year, no less, no off season, and still win a ring. I think that proved more to me than a couple of those Super Bowls did. Um, and I don't, and and that's just, and especially what he did this year kind of outweighs those two um, accusations slash investigations, right? right. Um, so yeah, I mean he's not on my list. But I think uh, I, I don't blame you for putting on yours. And, and quite frankly, he's going to be on my top ten of all time list. Um, oh, sure. Because sure. he deserves it. Oh, yeah. I just – I know I don't like the Patriots, but watching him this year with Tampa Bay was the most fun I've had in a long time watching anything to do with Tom Brady. Uh, the way that he just – continuously surprises people it's just amazing so yeah yeah and and to add on to that i mean outside of this year i mean the only time you really could say it was exciting to watch brady because the way he plays football unless you're like a football enthusiast it's kind of boring right he dumps it off dumps it off then hits the deep ball when you least expect it um that uh, the 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 year they almost went undefeated when they had Randy Moss. I mean, that was a fun year too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I love that ad- addition on your list. Yeah. All right. Who's your number two? My number two would um I'm gonna stay in the quarterbacks here, and that was Peyton Manning. Um, okay. Just the way he he was able to he was a field general. Um, you know, and I personally believe he's the greatest, greatest regular season quarterback of all time. Um, to where I think if he would have won the same amount of ring or even half the rings of Brady, he might be more in that discussion of greatest of all time. Um, but you know, the 
the one season that comes into mind was that year he had like 49 passing touchdowns against Denver. If you watch those games, you watch the ways he was able to score. It was very methodical. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. catch the ball and throw. Um, and then obviously he had those years in Indianapolis. It's like, my goodness, man. Like, yeah, he had a lot of weapons, but it was still so fun to watch. Um, and he is also one of the guys I got to see a lot of, obviously, in the AFC South with Jacksonville. I got to see him quite a bit in person. And just watching him be able to do his thing in person is just another – it's a treat. It's just – it's crazy, right? Um, mm-hmm. Just I love the way Peyton Manning played. I hate going against him twice a year. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 you have to respect what he was able to bring. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, he was my number three. So, uh, nothing more needs to be said about that. Basically, you summed it up perfectly. Um, I, I too, would hate going against him twice a year. Uh, But at the same time, like you said, it it must have been fun to watch him in person, though. Because watching him on TV was fun in itself, but just in person with no commentary, just watching him go to work and studying, it's just it was very, very fun. Very fun. Yeah, and you know, the the cool thing about that is, you know, like on TV, you really don't get to see the play develop, right? You you get to see where the ball's at. You don't really get to see who's open down the field, who who what's doing what. Yeah. Um, When you see Peyton Manning in person, you just see it unfold you're like oh no (laughs) like you know it's going you know it's going to happen before it even happens um and that's something that you really don't get to see on the tv side of it so yeah i mean there's a lot of times i've been in that stadium and i'm like oh geez this is gonna be bad um and it normally was bad but um yeah, so, I mean, I wish I got to see him one more time. The last time I saw the Colts in Jacksonville, when Manning was there, was when he had that neck injury. Um, mm-hmm. So he was, on the, he was on the sideline. But, um, yeah, that was a game that locked up uh, Andrew Luck. So you're welcome, Indianapolis. But, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that was my number three as well. Uh, it was your number two. So uh, who was your number three then? So my number three, I'm going to stick in the people that um, this one might surprise a little bit of people. But again, it's this also the bias of actually seeing him in person um, comes into play. And that was uh, Ricky Williams. Okay. Ricky Williams was probably one of the funnest people outside of a Jaguar uniform to watch in person. Um, so elusive, so fast. Just the look he had. I mean, he had the visor, the dolphins. I mean, he would, the way he looked in the dolphin uniform is just like, that is cool, man, you know? And I remember when I was a, you know, a little kid playing Pop Warner football, I wanted a visor to be Ricky Williams. Um, (laughs) you know, before Maurice Jones Drew came along, I wore number 34 for Ricky Williams. Um, So now my dad made me wear 43 afterwards because he's, you know, he, I don't know why he made me wear 43. I don't know why, but I think it was because 34 turned backwards 43. I don't know. I don't care at this point, 
But yeah. Ricky Williams, the way he was able to maneuver in a hole and just fit in the slightest gap. Um, imagine Le'Veon Bell, but just faster. That's what it was. Um, now, obviously, we all know the career of Ricky Williams didn't really – it wasn't what everyone thought it would be, right? But but the time he was on the field, and he was just so fun, just so fun. True. I would agree with that, 100%. All right. Uh, number four, for me, that would have to go to – Excuse me, uh, Ray Lewis. My yes. For the Ravens, I hate Baltimore. I do not like Baltimore. I love Ray Lewis. I love watching him play. Him on the field was something special. His, I mean, besides the dance, I mean the dance was cool and all, but just everything that he went into and gave to the, the game of football just made you love it even more. Um, he really got people involved with it, too. Like, he wanted to get more people involved to where you would want to come back for more. You wouldn't be a Ravens fan, but you'd watch for uh, Ray Lewis. I would, anyway. Yeah, and I think a lot of people did. Um, I'll, I'm going to go ahead and say he's my four, too, just so we can talk about him, because... He is on my list. Um, and just the way he was able to, for his size, he was able to fly around to the football. And when he got to you, you felt it. Um, oh, yeah. But, but I think the thing that, you know, what makes Ray Lewis so great is really the off the field. I mean, not off the field. I don't know how the passion for the game. Um <laughs> The, the passion that he brought to the Ravens, the passion that, you know, he was just, he was the lifeline of the Ravens defense. He, I mean, that's, I mean, obviously there's another name on the defense that he played with a lot of the years that are, is on my list. I'm sure he might be on yours or someone else's, but he, but Ray Lewis brought it. In, even in his last year of football, you know, when he had that, uh, I think it was an elbow injury, and we had that big, um, yeah. Yeah. big yeah, thing. Big club. Yeah. It wasn't a club. It was like a brace, but it was like all the way from like his forearm oh, to his shoulder. Right. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite a club. It, it just covered quite a bit of his right arm. He looked like the bionic man. Um, he did, but, but he still played good. Yeah, he did. And, and you know, it's crazy because... If you listen to the Ray Lewis story, right, um, he almost wasn't even offered a scholarship in college. Like, he was one of the last players to be offered a scholarship at the University of Miami. Um, so the fact that he wasn't highly recruited, I think he was a, man, I, he was a, he was a low star recruit. Um, he tells a story on a, on a, one of the shows somewhere. I highly encourage it. Um, just for life reasons, like anything's possible. Um, so when you walk on campus, not very highly recruited, the last scholarship goes to you. Pretty much no expectations, you know, at that point. And you become a Hall of Famer in the NFL. That yeah. storyline, 
and obviously the 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 um you know the, the off the field you know stuff you know that's still kind of um controversial you know but i don't care i mean that i i i'm not here to play judge um but what he did on the football field was phenomenal oh i agree I absolutely agree. I mean, me and you both had him on on our list, so no disagreement here at all. I mean, you pretty much hit everything that I was going to say. But um, number five, this one may or may not shock some people, but um. Mike Vick. I understand what happened with Mike, but I am not here to show judgment. I am here to tell you that he was very, very fun to watch at, with that. Not so much with Philly and, and uh, I believe New York. I think he played for Pitt for one year. Um, he was the backup. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, for Atlanta, I, I I loved watching Mike Vick play. I mean, I even in Madden, you couldn't stop Mike Vick. I mean, I'm sure you played it before, so you understand what I'm talking about. He was a pain. But um, yeah, just watching him play back in those days was just something special, especially with a quarterback with. I don't know, predominantly pass-heavy era. I mean, quarterbacks didn't really run back then. I mean, if a quarterback ran, you know, your heart skipped a beat like, oh, man, this is it. You're going to get hurt. But not with Vic. When Vic, excuse me, when Vic came in the league, he kind of started a new trend of quarterbacks to where you can run and you can pass. Now you have a dual threat sort of system. That wasn't really a thing as much in the NFL before. I want to say Warren Moon did it a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he, that's basically it. He basically started a whole upward trend for uh, today's quarterbacks. So you bring up Warren Moon. Um, obviously, I think the – the quarterback running really didn't take – Michael Vick took it to another level, but, I mean, it was there. You had John Elway who was able to run. You had Mark Brunel. Um, you had Warren Moon. You had – there were a list of guys, but they weren't doing what Michael Vick was doing. You, you weren't getting a 65-yard run from him, but Michael Vick, you could. Um, True. He did not make my list, but I'm not going to fault you for putting on yours. Um, it's just – I think the – I think it's crazy, right? It's you know, you know the sign you're getting old is when you know you talk to kids nowadays, right? Like obviously as a high school football coach, you know I try to bring up these older guys, um, mm-hmm. and you know some of them are born in 0304 when Michael Vick was terrorizing the NFL, um, yeah. and they're like, oh, I'm like, man, that's old because I remember playing Madden 04 when the greatest Madden character of all time. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I, I think the Philadelphia days, um, were awful. I don't think he was very oh, good. I agree. 
I agree. Injury with that. prone. I only was speaking of Atlanta Michael Vick. I yeah. just brought those. I just brought those up just to give like a, a timeline. But yes, Atlanta Michael Vick is where I'm strictly talking about. No, no fault here. Um, so my next person was um Brian Erlacher. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to the Jaguar games, I you know as a little little kid, um. I always booed everybody. So, like, what they used to do at the Jaguar games is, like, so what they used to do is, like, they used to introduce the away team and then, like, um, on the Jumbotron, they'll show a picture of a guy, like, the video of him coming on the field and put his name and say, with so-and-so. Um, so, like, for example, they did one year, it was a, Welcome, please welcome the Chicago Bears, and they had Brian Erlacher on the screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only time I ever applauded an away player. Really? Because, yes, because as much as I wanted to beat the Chicago Bears, obviously, because they were playing my team, sure. I understood the respect I had for Brian Erlacher. Oh, yeah. He was a mean nasty middle linebacker and the hits that he put on back then he'd be broke today because the amount of fines that he would receive oh yeah oh yeah he wouldn't be able to play today with the amount of physicality he played with and honestly that goes back to ray lewis too those two today true i don't think they have the same careers today as they did back then not because i don't think they're a good enough i think they're plenty of good enough but the violent hits that they put on they would get flag after flag after flag oh yeah especially with the quarterback situation i mean nowadays it's like flag football honestly they they went in there get sued (laughs) oh dude could you i mean maybe you were like this too but when we were watching brian erlacher when the whole, or even Ray Lewis, when the running back got the hole and you saw the running back about to cut in the hole and you saw Erlacher mm-hmm. or Lewis coming, you're like, oh no, this is going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Because they were, you know who was going to win that battle. You just knew oh, who yeah. it was. And then all of a sudden you hear that, that beautiful, beautiful noise of, oh yeah. Clacking together and just bodies just dropping immediately. I mean, you, you, you love to see it. That's that's football right there. I will say, like, I kind of understand why they're toning it down when it comes to the hits. Like, I do get it, but... I do, too. I do, too. But I would be lying if I said I didn't miss it a lot. I mean... I mean, the the one video that goes trending now... This guy's not on the list, and I'm, I don't think he'll be on yours either. But the one video that's trending right now, and I'll see like this video on TikTok, or whatever, and it was Sean Taylor in the Pro Bowl when that wow. guy is running down the sideline and he just comes and just annihilates him. Yeah, he'd be fined and ejected and suspended four games Dude, if he did. He would. Oh yeah, he would. He would definitely be suspended for that. No. He's not on my list, but it was very fun to watch, and unfortunately, left way too soon. Yeah. Um, number six, six. I think we're on number six. 
I believe so, yes. Right? Okay. Number six. Uh, it's not going to really surprise you. He he really aggravated me quite a bit. Philip Rivers. To give you perspective, it's Philip Rivers. He aggravated the hell out of me sometimes. But he was very fun to watch with the way he would throw the ball. He didn't really bring his arm back all the way like most quarterbacks do. He kind of brings it back just before his shoulder launches it forward. It, it, it's it's strange. You, you got to go and look it up if you've never seen Philip Rivers for some reason. Um, but yeah, watching him throw to Vincent Jackson and Antonio Gates, uh, even LT sometimes, uh, just a plethora of receivers over the years, Keenan Allen. Um, it's just very fun to watch. It's a shame that he never got to win a ring, though. Yeah, you know, the thing with Phillip Rivers is, you know, when you talk about him being a Hall of Famer, which I think he is, he had the numbers and everything for it. Um, the one, the one argument that you do get in return is, well, he never won a ring and it's hard to argue against that, but the way the hall of fame is set up, I mean, quite frankly, the way, quite frankly, the way, how hard it is to win a ring is it kind of, but yeah, it's just, it's hard to argue it. It's hard to argue it. But at the same time, many of other people are in there without a ring, so you kind of can't argue it anymore. You know, he—I don't think he's as good at this. I don't think he's as good as the guy I'm about to compare him to. But it does remind you a lot of him, and that's Dan Marino. I mean, Dan Marino went to one Super Bowl, and I don't think he ever got back. Um, and that was his rookie year. I think it was his rookie or second year. Um, I'm not sure. But you're right. I, I understand the comparison, and you're right. And I would agree um, Marino is better than Rivers. But um, I, I never watched Marino play. I know you haven't either. We weren't really. Well. He retired in 99. Was, so. I was going to say, he retired in 99. You would have been four out of the five. So, no. Um, so, yeah, Philip Rivers is six for me. And I do agree with the Hall of Fame uh, ballot for him whenever he's uh, first eligible. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against that. But, you know, it's a shame he didn't win a ring. But, I mean, that just shows you how hard it is to win a ring. And on him, it just sucks that he played in the same era as Tom Brady, who's hogging all the rings. Um, it's a shame he played for the freaking Chargers is what it is. Um... So the guy that I'm, I'm bringing up is uh, biasy alert. Um, Dominant Darius. Um, pro- you probably never even heard of him. A lot of people out there probably never heard of him. Um, he's well known. Oh yeah, Dominant Darius, Double D. Um, he was one of those where if he played in today's game, he probably would be fined, ejected, and suspended. Um, the most memorable hit that he's ever had was the it was. At Lambeau Field, they were playing the Green Bay Packers, obviously, and he clotheslines a guy in the middle of the field. (laughs) And I remember where I was at when that happened, and I remember, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Did I just watch a guy just get annihilated on the – I thought I was watching WWE for a minute. I was like, man, that's a clothesline from hell. 
Um, <laughs> I was about to say, is that Bradshaw under the helmet? But it wasn't. It was Dominant Darius. <laughs> but best safety in Jaguars history, most aggressive in Jaguars history, and so much fun to watch because of that. Um, yeah. Just, I, I loved watching Dominant Darius. I had a, a chance to meet him, too, so... Um, maybe that plays a little bit of the biasy with it, but love Dominic Darius. Just love the way he played. Well, no hate from me here. I gotta go and watch that hit though. Oh, dude, just just go on YouTube and watch Dominic Darius clothesline. It'll pop right up. It was, it was just. I will. I, will. <laughs> I mean, he he lit that guy up. Like he was just. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited now. After we do, after we uh, get done recording, I'm gonna go and look that up. But um, number seven, I see your safety, and I raise you one, Ed Reed. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, I know he's on your list. That's who you were hinting at earlier with Ray Lewis. Uh, you cannot not have this guy on your. He was the most fun safety in a long time. That I can even remember. I mean, my dad even said that even throughout all of his eras of football watching, um, he really, really loved Ed Reed over almost anybody that he's ever seen. Uh, that's saying something because he, well, he was watching football for 30, 34 years, I think he said. So he's seen quite a bit of. Um, but going back to me, watching Ed Reed was just something else. I mean, it, it, seeing Ed Reed and Ray Lewis on the same defense was just something special. It was spectacular. I mean, you, like I said with Ray Lewis, you just wanted to watch, even though you weren't a fan. Well, same thing with Ed Reed. Yeah, the thing with Ed Reed was he wasn't the guy that was going to come and lay you out. Um, he had the ability to, though. He, he'd done it a couple times. Um, but just, man, it was, he was, you didn't throw it to him. I mean, he was the guy that no matter who you were playing against and it didn't matter who it was, you know where Ed Reed was. Um, and he was that way in college. Um, yeah, I mean, Ed Reed was the, I don't think there'll ever be another Ed Reed. I, I just don't. No. Um, he definitely not. And you know, if you look at the top safeties today, you look at Jamal Adams, you look at um in quite frankly, I mean it's hard to name the top safeties actually. Um Jamal Adams is the one that pops up. Um just you can you can put the best safety in the game right now and he doesn't even compare to what Ed Reed was in his prime. And I might get a lot of flack for that, but tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Even Ed Reed yeah, in his in his latter I years. I tell man. you wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my number seven. Was uh, Ed Reed? I'm sure uh, he's up there on your list as well. Yeah. I mean, we already talked about him, so I mean, um, he'll be my seven also. Um, at number eight, I'm going to go ahead and lead off since you, uh, took the thunder on the Ed Reed, which he was coming eventually. Uh, 
Um, so my number eight um, was LaDainian Tomlinson. He's on my list, obviously. Um, so we already talked about him enough. We kind of raved about him. I don't think I said his name yet. Um, so he is on my list, but you, you summed it up pretty perfectly. So many records too that you cannot not have them on your list just because of how fun. Not not even just taking records aside. I mean, he was just so so fun and dynamic to watch. Um, but uh, I'm gonna move on to uh, my number eight, and um, my number eight might surprise some people. It, it, it might not. Um, but it is, uh, Calvin Johnson for the uh, Detroit Lions, uh, Megatron. So watching him was just, uh, I don't want to say he's the best receiver because I have another, uh, I'm going to get to him later on, but he could very well be the top receiver of the 2000s. And I don't think people would disagree with me. I mean, I'm sure there'd be some going back and forth debates, sure. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can't really. How can you tell me that Calvin Johnson just was not fun to watch? I mean, it's just not true. No, Calvin Johnson, man, when he was. Calvin Johnson was. A guy that retired way too soon. Um, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, you know, it, it, but really the thing with Calvin Johnson was you only had two or three memorable years with him. Um, yeah. So, like, I know a lot of people are saying he's a Hall of Famer. Honestly, like, I might be in the minority. Is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, but I think there's a lot of guys that need to go in ahead of him. His career was, it was good, but, you know, I think you compare him to like a Tony Baselli, and mm. the problem with that is Tony Baselli at one point was the best left tackle. Calvin Johnson was never really the best receiver, in my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he was ever the best. Top five, yes. Best, no. Um, again, like I said a little bit earlier, I, I would place him among the best of the 2000s. Um, like, I agree with what you said. Maybe not the best, but you could make a case for it for sure. But I do agree with you when, uh, when you said that he, uh, retired way too early because he absolutely did retire way yeah. too early. Because he was drafted in, I believe, 2007, and I think he left in, like, what, 2012, 2013? No, it wasn't 2012 or 13. He was on the Madden cover in 13. It might have been, like, 14 or 15. Okay. But still, I mean, uh, I'm looking, um, 2015. Yeah. I'll never, I don't understand. I, I really don't understand what made him retire. I mean, there was no injuries. He was in the prime of his career. He was getting better. Uh, it, better than he was, even. I mean, that, and that's... Who knows what level he would have achieved had he kept going. 
I just don't understand what led him to retire. So what I gathered from it, it kind of reminds you of the Barry Sanders thing. Um, plenty of years in the career, played with the Lions, and just wanted to preserve. I think his thing was, I, I mean, it's been so long, but maybe concussions was a concern. Maybe. I mean, it, it could be. But, um, yeah, that's why he's uh, number eight on my list. Yeah, so number eight on mine is uh, Fred Taylor, another Jaguar, obviously. Um, but the thing with Fred Taylor is he's so underappreciated. Um, he should be morally more considered for the Hall of Fame than what he is. Um, if you look he's at his stats, I mean, huh? He's not in. Fred Taylor hasn't even made the the finalist. I was gonna say you don't have. I'm not a famer yet, do you? No, because Bissell keeps getting left out. Yeah, I know. So. I want him in there just as much as you. I mean, Fred Taylor has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons with over a thousand yards. Mm -hmm. Um. He's just his highest being fifteen hundred and seventy-two. Um, just I just don't know how he's not getting more considered for the Hall of Fame. I really don't. Um, I don't know. It, I just maybe it goes back to the the whole. Well, he's from Jacksonville, so how good could he have really been? Yeah, I mean, that just think that way. stupid. I agree. It absolutely is getting annoying. I agree. I, I'm a fan of the Jaguars, but I've known you long enough to where I've, you know, I've, I've come to know a lot about them. And from what I gather, a lot of analysts, quote unquote, do not like Jacksonville. They don't like talking about Jacksonville. Whenever they do, it's it's like a hole in the wall or something. It, it's uh, it's an armpit. Of football to them, and it just it doesn't it just rubs me wrong. You know, I don't understand it because you've got guys like Tony Baselli and Fred Taylor and Mark Brunel who absolutely deserve to be talked about for the Hall of Fame. Now Brunel, eh, up for debate maybe, but the other two for sure. Now Brunel should not be in the Hall of Fame. I I love Brunel, but. He got his rightful spot in the in the uh, the Ring of Honor in the stadium. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the the guys that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame has to be Tony Baselli, Fred Taylor, and Jimmy Smith. MJD. MJD. I I like MJD, but I don't know if he'll ever get in. Um, he should be in. He should be in, but. You have more of a case with Jimmy, Fred, and Tony. Um, oh, I agree. I agree. I just think that MJD should be in there as well, just based off uh, everything that he accomplished in the NFL. Oh, oh, I agree. But I think what's going to hinder MJD is when he was the premier back, um, the Jaguars were so pitiful. 
I mean, now he did win a rushing title through the pitifulness. I mean, he had 1,600 yards and won the rushing title. Again, if I was a voter, MJD would get looked at maybe as a third or fourth ballot, you know, as time went on. Um, but the the three that, you know, you can make a hard argument, like, these guys should be in. Why aren't they getting considered as Jimmy, Fred, and Tony? Now, Tony's obviously in the finalist every year, which I don't know how he didn't get in last year, but this year may be the year. Who knows? Um, Fred definitely should, and Jimmy should. So, but yeah. time will tell. Yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see how everything plays out. But, um, number nine. Well, I'm almost done. I'm kind of sad. Um, number nine, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. I mentioned before with Calvin Johnson that there was another receiver in almost every way than Calvin Johnson, but Calvin Johnson was good and good enough to be on the list for sure. But Larry Fitzgerald is miles ahead, miles ahead. Um, He had uh, 30 catches, 546 yards, and seven touchdowns in the 2008 postseason. That is incredible. But just taking stats away from it, watching him on the field was just very, very entertaining. I mean, whenever the ball was getting thrown his way, you knew automatically that it, it was going to be a catch. He was going to get it, and he was going to make a big play. He was he's that good. I mean, he's getting a little bit older. I don't tell Race when I said this, but he needs to kind of retire, I think. But he definitely deserved to be on this list for sure, just based off of how fun it was to watch him back in the day, especially in the Super Bowl, too. Sorry, Race, and I had to mention it. Yeah, and it, when you mentioned the 08 run, I just can't help but think Santonio Holmes. Um, you know, just that yeah. one play, just that. And um, the, the game, the thing that really hurt the game was James Harrison running it for like what 90 yards. I mean, but then Santonio Holmes toe tap pretty much secured the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but. No, Larry was fun to watch. Um, it's just for some reason when it comes to Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know. I, maybe I don't. I just it's, it's like a blur to me his career. Like he's obviously had a great career. He's a Hall of Famer, um, but I just don't recall ever really watching him. Really? Yeah, I mean, hmm. it's just he had a great career. He's good, but. I just never, I don't know, like, when I, when, I mean, compared to, like, some of the guys on the list, like Brian Urlach or Ray Lewis, like, I didn't turn, I didn't turn on a game to watch a Larry Fitzgerald, like I would have, like, for, um, like, an Ed Reed, Brian Urlach or Ray Lewis, Ricky Williams, like, I just never, I just never did. Now, I watched the Cardinals run the, in the playoffs because mm-hmm. the, the storyline was great. Like Kurt Warner taking the Arizona Cardinals to their first, like to the Super Bowl, I think was their first, maybe, maybe one of the first times, first time in a long time at least. Um, watching that team as a whole was fun, and I watched their games. But when it comes to one specific person in Larry, I'm not denying he's good, and don't get me wrong, don't bring the pitchforks, but I never 
it's a blur to me because I never tuned on the turned on the game because of Larry. No, that's fine. That's fine. I just I remember back in the day when me and Dad would watch football whenever Cowboys weren't on because he was a big Cowboys fan. We would always just watch the game that was on TV because back then you know you didn't have an NFL network. You just watch whatever was on CBS, NBC, whatever. And sometimes it'd be the Browns versus the Cardinals. Or Bengals and Cardinals. Uh, and you would just watch Gerald just do his very, very entertaining. Very entertaining. I had to put him on the list. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to remember. I mean, think about it. Not too long ago, I mean, the NFL ticket really didn't exist. So, like, you had your local channels, which was CBS and Fox. That was the game yeah. you were stuck with. And then if you yeah. wanted to even come close to your home team, you had to listen to the radio play-by-play, which a lot of teams offered at the time on their team website. Um, yeah, you know. true. But, yeah, I mean, so what number am I on? I forget. You are on number nine, my friend. So number nine, that's a guy that I did tune in to watch. I think everyone did. Um, I think every kid – Growing up during this guy's heyday was wanting to be this guy, um, Devin Hester. It, yeah. Devin Hester is, I think he's the only guy to ever return the opening kickoff in a Super Bowl for a touchdown. Um, he still holds the special, the, the, the special teams return record. Um, he'll probably forever hold that because quite frankly, kickoffs are hardly returned anymore. Um, just when you thought the play was over with Devin Hester, it was only beginning. Um, and it didn't matter what team he was on, whether it was the Bears or even the Falcons, um, his, and his, um, towards the end of his career, he was the same guy. And he just so elusive, so fun to watch. Um, just, he changed, I don't, there will never, there will never be another Devin Hester. Um, Everyone talks about Tyreek Hill and how explosive he was, and he is. Don't get me wrong, but before there was a Tyreek Hill, there was a Devin Hester. Yeah, true. Yeah, Devin Hester will never be recreated in any way, shape, or form. Um, one of a kind. Very, very fun to watch. Uh, I almost put him on the list, but I knew you were going to have him on there. I, I knew you were, so I was like, yeah, I'll let him have that one. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah. He was just that one guy where really, I mean, you really don't have that for anyone else. But that one guy, when he caught the ball, you're like, he can score any minute. Like, literally, he could score at any moment. Um, he can. All right. Number 10. We've reached one. Uh, are you a. I am that this list is almost over. Um, yeah, because I think this whole episode has been kind of uh, I don't know, I don't know if I'm sad because it kind of reminds me how old I'm getting, but um, it's kind of like the trip down football memory lane. You know, you kind of, you know, when you you when you're taking a deep dive in these names and even the side conversations, you just get a lot of flashbacks of almost vivid flashbacks of, you know, watching certain memories, certain moments in time, and 
it just kind of it's kind of weird almost, right? Like it's just kind of weird. This whole episode has been weird for me because I'm like Devin Hester, and then the thing that reminds me is the Super Bowl. But then like the the turn he broke the record um, when he was in Atlanta down the the sideline. Um, Dominic Darius with the clothesline. I remember where I was exactly at when that happened. Um, yeah. You know, just weird. Yeah. I agree. It's it's very nostalgic. It's very nostalgic. Um, so, uh, number 10. It's uh, going to be Tony Gonzalez. I'm picking him over Antonio Gates because of the fact we played them twice a year and I, I honestly enjoyed watching Tony Gonzalez more than I did Gates. I Don't get me wrong. I love Antonio Gates. I do. But just watching Tony Gonzalez as, as big as he was, I mean, he was nimble. I mean, he, he could move. He could move. Um, it, I mean, I can't say enough good things about Tony Gonzalez. Um, he didn't really have that good of uh, quarterbacks throwing to him. Like, if he were to be in the league today with a Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you wouldn't have to worry about tight end for, for years. I mean, I know they have a good one right now. Don't get me wrong. But there's no replacing uh, Tony Gonzalez at all. Uh, it's just very, very fun to watch. Um, I hated watching him, but I love watching him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, he you hated when your team played against them, but when they're not going against the the that team, so he was with the Chiefs and Falcons. You loved him. I mean, he was just everyone. You know, everyone. And here's the thing that aggravates me, right? Everyone's like, "Well, is Gronk the best tight end?" No, Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez was Gronk if Gronk could stay healthy for all 16 games. And that's no offense to Gronk. I mean, Gronk is really good, and I'm not taking away his greatness, but Tony Gonzalez, man, my goodness, he was on another level. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was first-team All-Pro for almost the entire decade. Yes. A whole decade, he was almost. I think he came one or two years shy. I think he came one or two years shot. But, I mean, he he just he had four 1,000-yard seasons for a mm-hmm. tight end. He became the first tight end to ever catch 100 passes in a single campaign. I mean, that – you can't put into words how amazing Tony Gonzalez really was. Yeah. So, this. that rounds out my top ten. So mine, um, I had to go back and forth with this one. So the guy that I wanted to put here was Randy Moss. But I almost did as well. I will admit that. But when you look at Randy Moss's career, a lot of it was with Minnesota. And that was like 02, 03. So I don't really – I remember it, but I don't. Like, I remember certain memories, but I don't remember the whole career of Minnesota. Really, I remember the times with New England, um, which were still good, but it wasn't like his times in Minnesota. So I really had to put myself to the test, and I was like, man, who's a guy that I remember? 
Whether you hate him, you love him. And right now, I love him because he loves the city of Jacksonville. And that's Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco. Man. Oh, yeah. You know, he was, look, he was a trash talker. But man, when he trash talked, he backed it up. Um, you know, he was arrogant. I don't want to say he was arrogant, but he was very, he was confident. Let's put it that way. I mean, he, to the point to where he, he wore a was, Hall of Fame jacket. He was arrogant for the sake of being arrogant. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. changed his he name to his, last, his jersey number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But when you look at the that time frame of the Bengals football and the whole, you had Carson Palmer, but then you turned on the Bengals to watch Chad Johnson because Chad Johnson was must-see TV because you didn't know what he was going to say or what he was going to be able to do or what he was going to do on the sideline or whatever touchdown dance he was going to do that night. Just, you love, yeah. I love Chad. I mean, I liked Chad Johnson, but ever since he, uh, he's been bragging about the city of Jacksonville on Twitter, so I love him even more. Okay, well, I understand why you give him a little bit more love, but the, he kind of reminds me, or someone that reminds me of him, rather, is uh, Marshawn Lynch, and the fact mm-hmm. that he doesn't really have a filter over his mouth. He'll say whatever he wants, and you'll like it, and if you don't, oh well, um, but I agree with you 100%. Uh, Chad Ochocinco, or Chad Johnson, was very fun. Uh, I, too, love the trash talk. It was very entertaining. Um, and the dances as well, like you said. Uh, I, I agree with that pick. I agree with that. Yeah, and the thing about Marshawn Lynch is the thing that everybody forgets, Seattle was not his original team. Um, it was not. And... But that's where he picked up his steam, and that's where Beast Mode came, was when he did that run against the Saints in the playoffs, which caused an earthquake um, on the Richter scale. Um, But, yeah, I mean, Chad Johnson, the thing with Chad Johnson is Marshawn Lynch, he's funny, right, because he doesn't like the media. He just says, yeah, or I don't want to be here, whatever. He just gets you that. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, but... Chad Johnson loved the media. Oh, yeah, true. Well, he loved trash-talking to the media, too. Oh, yeah. And another person I wanted to put there was Terrell Owens. I love Terrell Owens. Yeah. But I didn't have enough room for everybody. We we were talking about everybody you love would be here all night long. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It would be like a 24-hour thing. Yeah, and quite frankly, I don't have the time for a 24-hour stream, um, um, especially since I got another podcast to record in less than 24 hours um, for the road tripping series. Um, you do? I do, we, yes. We hinted on that uh, Tuesday. Uh, you are interviewing a Rams fan uh, who we've known for all of our, well, about half of our school length. I guess. Yeah, I mean, ever since middle school, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been like middle school. Um, we really didn't become really good friends until high school. Um, and, and really, the thing that I want to, the one thing I'm really interested in when it comes to interviewing him is the Jared Goff trade. I want to get his opinion on it 
you know, did he give up on Goff like everybody else did, or did he kind of wish they would have kept him around? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just interested to get his point of view because, you know, on the outside looking in, it's like, what are the Rams doing? Like, they're allergic to first-round picks. They're kind of just piling up for a short run. And, and you know, eventually you got to pay people when you don't have any picks to stock to reload with. So it, it's going to be a very interesting conversation, I'm sure, with him. Um, it's one that I'm looking forward to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the road tripping series is, uh, I mean, like I said on the last episode, it's really gaining steam. I mean, I know you got – Someone you want to interview with to talk about the Browns. Um, we got a Cowboys fan coming up. Um, Mr. Grump's going to do his interview for the Cardinals here shortly. Yep. So um, it's picking up steam, but it's at the right, perfect time because we're kind of on that. I mean, we only have one event really, and that's the, the their schedule release for next week. Um, right. But after that, I mean, it is nothing. Unless oh. something happens with Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, which it might. But that's it. That's literally all we got. And that's just, I mean, if. That's an if it happens. It's not a win. It's an if. So, um, but we're going to move on to everybody's favorite segment, uh, Final Thought. So, uh, I'm going to start with you. What would be your final thought? Yeah, so my final thought is um, obviously I already teased the uh, road trip in series. Um, but my final thought is can August get here? I mean, seriously. I, I'm yeah. ready for – I'll take anything at this point. Preseason, um, we're – you know, you ever, you ever heard the saying, uh, the show hole? Ah. So I think it was like Netflix or some – streaming company made it famous but it was like you know when you get into a series and you finish it after you binge watch it for two weeks and like you're submerged in it and you finish it there's no new seasons or the new season hadn't come out yet and now you're just stuck like you don't know what to do that's kind of what we're in we're in a show hole i mean we 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 got fully submerged in draft talk and draft weekend we were all we were just head over heels over the fact that we're watching the draft um and then we have one slice of um enjoyment and that's the oh pasco sneeze oh i heard that Ooh. but um that one hurt i can tell but no so like we have the schedule release but outside of that i mean until july and august it's Nothing. So, um, I know we got a real football to look forward to, but oh yeah, don't get me wrong, I'm excited for arena football now. Oh yeah, I mean it. It's coming. I'm excited. The Jacksonville Sharks are retaining champions still. They didn't get the chance to defend their championship last year. Um, it's true. It's very true. Does that mean we we automatically win last year's by default? I don't know, man. See, the thing with the Sharks <laughs> is a little bit of a a little bit of arena football talk 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 here. Um, thing with them is like ever since like we're had to get into this on the actual arena football podcast, but they had went from Aaron Garcia to um, 
Bernard Morris. Yeah. And then a couple iffy guys. And then Tommy Grady. Actually, Grady might have been right after Morris. Tommy Grady. Their quarterback situation after Tommy Grady, which he I don't even think he won a he won a ring he won a ring, has been like up and down. He like, did. so two years ago was great. Last year, obviously, we didn't have a season, so I'm kind of uh, worried about the quarterback situation that we have going into this year because, you, as you know, Pat, in arena football, especially in the National Arena League, every year's different. It is. It actually it very well. It, it is. I mean, it's it's hard to put in words how it actually changes from year to year. But you and I both remember the year of the kicker for the Jacksonville Sharks. Oh God! We went to we oh, went to the game. God. We went to the game. Oh my! Yeah, Capizoli. We went up to the game in Cleveland. It was the Cleveland Gladiators, who are uh, no longer a team, and the Jacksonville Sharks. And we were about to. Win the game. Where the field goal? Uh, we had our orange flags with us. Our orange rags. Our orange, um, the rally town. Um, we took those and put them over our faces because we knew the kicker would not make the 20-yard 20 20 yard field goal in order to win. He was kicking towards us, too. So we, it was like a front row seat of, here, this this, well, um, this is your team. So here you go. Well, the thing he with that, Pat, is, oh, he missed by a mile. But the, 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 the bad part about <laughs> that game was we were up by, like, four touchdowns. We were. We were I mean, dude. And one, and it was it was the most tragic thing I've seen in a minute. But when we put those towels over our face, I heard people behind us too. They were kind of laughing, and I was like, "Well, I mean, you don't understand. We know this kicker is not going to win this game, and he didn't." Well, because he missed a couple earlier in that game, and quite frankly, Pat, that was when you and I watched almost every Sharks game together, and it was shank, shank, shank. Um. No, I missed. I mean, look, <laughs> I don't miss him, but I will say I missed the Gladiators because as much as that game was pitiful to watch, especially in the second half, and watch Capazzoli just miss that field goal, yeah. uh, they put on a great game day. The atmosphere, I mean, it made you feel like you're at a WWE show now. Because every song they played was WWE. I think we heard Rob Van Dam, <laughs> Triple H, Undertaker. It's true. We did. We heard, but, we heard it all. But it was a very fun. And the fans there were really nice. I mean, it was just. A, they were. I hope they come back. And I hope they join Jacksonville's league. Um, I know well, there for a while. Well, actually, I think they're joining uh, the new um, Jermaine League. That uh, Rick Jermaine is actually purchased. He he, uh, he has the league now. Uh, Columbus actually has the team. The uh, Mud Dogs, I believe. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know how well it's going to do. I, I honestly don't see it doing really well. Um, it might do well in Ohio, but I don't know where all they would put it. And you you, you kind of put yourself 
a tough situation there, but we'll, we'll go over that in the, in the Arena Football League uh, podcast. That leaves us something to talk about. Yeah, so, I mean, we keep talking about this podcast. Um, it's going to happen once we get closer to the at least a National Arena League. Um, we're going to hit on a little bit of every league, I think, um, but mainly it's going to be the National Arena League or the NAL. Um, and... Look, we're going to talk a lot of Sharks football. It's going to be pretty targeted to some degree, but you know, it's not it's not going to take place of episodes that we already produced. It's going to be on the side. Um, so it is what it is, right? If you don't like it, then hey, we still appreciate your support. But I'm just giving you a heads up where if you click on it, hey, why are they talking 90% Sharks? And I'm like, well, that's because that's what's goal. That's the goal of it. Um, or just the 90% of the National Arena League in general. But, yeah, so that's going to happen probably sometime in June. I think the opening, at least sometime in June, um, is opening weekend for the, the NAL. So, But, um, yeah, so a lot of things to look forward to. The, the Arena podcast, the um, road tripping series, picking up steam. Um, so just kind of looking, the obviously the Rams episode of that will come out this weekend. Um Next yep. Tuesday, we're going to talk about news, um, maybe preview the schedule release and see what we want to see come out of that. And then next Thursday is going to be all schedule release. Um, we're going to take a little break from the one week of t- top 10 list um, just because that's such a big an event. We can't, I mean, only the NFL can make it that big of an event, but it is a big event. Um, so. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about the games that we are going to see and who has one of the tougher schedules and who has the easier schedule. So I'm excited. The next two weeks will be really fun to record, um, as they always are, but these next two weeks are for certain. Um, I'm done flapping my gums. Pat, you got anything to add? Uh, yeah, I want to add something real quick. Um, I want to know what Green Bay is actually going to do, because right now there was a report earlier today saying that they are actually looking at quarterbacks right now as a contingency plan in case Rodgers is not there week one. Uh, Whether or not he will be, that's up for debate. I kind of argue to think that he will not be there. Just based off of everything, you're not going to bury the hatchet and be like, you know what, them's my boys, I'm going to go play for them. I just don't see it happening. Um, uh, I see Jordan Love taking over for week one, but I could see them going after maybe a, an old older veteran that has been in the league for some time. Uh, it's just it's, it's a nasty situation all around. Yeah, it's a very sticky situation. Um, as we all know, I think it was on the Pat McAfee show today that Adam Schefter, I think it was Adam Schefter, reported that Green Bay or Aaron Rodgers did want this to get public, but it did. Um, and you mentioned Jordan Love. That is their contingency plan. I mean, you drafted him in the first round two years ago. Um, so you, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, we can take a deeper dive in that Tuesday, obviously, because there's a lot to go into that. Um, so that'll be a topic we'll probably save for Tuesday. So, um, Definitely bring that up Tuesday, Pat, and we'll take a – obviously, it's just going to be you and me um, Tuesday, but definitely bring it up. We'll open the show with that, actually, about that. We'll open the show with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, little spoiler there, little spoiler. 
little spoiler, maybe we'll get a little bit of viewers, huh? Let's see, maybe, I don't know. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but that was Pat. <laughs> um, so that was okay. Pat. I'm James, and we'll see you this weekend for Road Tripping with the Rams on your favorite football podcast.